You're listening to the Wise Women Podcast, Season 2, Episode 48. I'm your host, Alicia Wilfert, founder of Yoke and Abundance, a creative leadership coaching business. This podcast is designed to inspire by introducing you to creative women living abundantly. In today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation on leadership with the founders of Teaching Horse. Today's episode is a treat that I am really overjoyed to share with all of you. June and Beth are the founders of an organization called Teaching Horse that uses embodied experiences with horses to develop leaders. Their mission is to bring horses and humans together to discover more effective ways of leading and creating healthy communities. Beth and June have an exceptional amount of wisdom to share with us around leadership. I had the privilege of meeting them in early June of this year when I got to take part in a teaching course experience myself. I knew immediately that I wanted to have them on the podcast and share their wisdom with all of you. I can't wait for you to give this a listen. One of my favorite parts of hosting the Yoke and Abundance Wise Women podcast is seeing the community of Yoke and Abundance grow, seeing women come together because of the panels, this podcast, or even our group coaching experiences. A way to stay connected and be in community with us is to become an active member of our Facebook group. There's a link to our Facebook group in the show notes, and I wanted to extend my personal invitation to you to join us. Introduce yourself. Let us know what episodes you've loved the most and why. Let us know what big goals or dreams you're working on in your life right now and what you want to get out of being a part of our community. Getting to hear from all of you is one of my absolute favorite things, so I hope you'll pop onto the Facebook group and and introduce yourself and share with us some of those things. Now, if hanging out virtually is just not enough for you and you're in or near Greensboro, then join in the company of women. This program is for you if you're looking for clarity, purpose, and a like-minded community. It starts Wednesday, August 7th, goes from 7.30 to 9 p.m. And in this six-week course, we explore topics of identity, purpose, and goal setting in order to touch and nurture our deepest desires. From that foundation, we build a roadmap to fulfill the goals born from our truest desires. You can sign up and get more information by visiting the website at www.yokeandabundance.com forward slash workshops. Okay, one last thing from me, podcast listeners. Our podcast is up for a People's Choice Award. If you love what we're doing, please go to their website, which is www.thepodcastawards.com and vote vote for us in the category of business and people's choice. Our podcast's full name is The Yoke and Abundance Wise Woman Podcast. So you kind of got to scroll down to find us, but please do. It will mean a world of difference. 
and then we'll be on to today's interview after a word from our sponsor. This week's sponsor is Triad Local First, a nonprofit membership-based organization in Greensboro, North Carolina with members throughout the Triad. Triad Local First members include independent, locally owned retail shops, real estate agents, insurance brokers, marketing and advertising firms, accountants, dentists, restaurants, farmers, breweries, and more. TLF's mission is a commitment to building a strong local economy and a vibrant, unique community. For more information on how to support local independent businesses throughout the year, visit www.triadlocalfirst.com. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you all so much for being a part of the podcast today. Um, I almost don't know where to begin, but I'm just going to share a little bit with the Yoke and Abundance listeners. So I had an experience at, with Teaching Horse in early June, and I had, I had no idea, honestly, what I was getting myself into. A friend just said, hey, we're gifting this experience to some women, and we want you to be a part of it. And I, I d- didn't have a background with horses. I had the chance to ride maybe twice in my life. And I also had this story in my head that I'm not a horse person, mm. which I think is an interesting story, especially now. And when I came out, I had a very powerful experience with the women that were here, with both Beth and June here. And not only did I have personal lessons, but I got to experience the lessons of everyone else in my group as well around leadership and being present and direction and energy and so many different things. And I, I knew that I wanted to share that with everybody on the Yoga and Abundance podcast. So Beth and June, can you introduce yourselves and share with the Yoga and Abundance listeners who you are and, and what it is you do? Uh, I will do my best to capture that in a couple of sentences, but that's actually a very broad and deep question, as you can imagine. It is. Uh, So my name is June Gunter. I am one of the founders of Teaching Horse. I have been doing leadership development work for 33 years and uh, I'm really excited because uh, this year we are celebrating Teaching Horse's 15th year. Mm -hmm. And we've probably touched around 5,000 leaders with this work. Uh, So I feel really proud of that. Because if you asked me if I thought we would end up here, I would say never in my wildest dreams. So it has become more than I ever thought it would be. Um, And... It's been both the hardest thing I've ever done, and I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. Spoken like a true entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, yeah. <laughs> so, um, my name is Beth Hijack. Um, I am the other founder of Teaching Horse. And, um, well, I'm going to start this way. So, one of our dear friends described me like this. She said... Beth is 
all the characters of that you would find in in the hundred acre forest with Winnie the Pooh. And I'm like, well, yes, I am. <laughs> um, and um, uh, and I love that. And it just says so much about who I am uh, as a person. But uh, my background is in writing for the stage and the screen. I went to New York University Tisch School of the Arts. And um, at my core, I'm a storyteller. I love story. I think story has the power to change uh, people's lives, um, communities, individuals. Um, and I did not come to this work as a horse person. I wouldn't say I'm an entrepreneur either until now uh, or a leader until now. So it's very interesting as we were talking a little bit earlier, I was like, oh, I came out as a leader. Isn't that an interesting phrase? I'm coming out as a leader because, you know, we have these ideas that a leader should look like this or this is how you lead. You're just loud and proud on multiple levels now. (laughs) (laughs) I am. Thank God I don't have those headphones on because I'd be like, whew. (laughs) Um, I am. I just think that, yes, so, brevity is not my, we just know that, so, uh, I guess what I want to say is to reiterate what June said. Um, I don't think I would have chosen. If someone said to me 15 years ago, do you want to own a business with some horses? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. That's too uncertain. That's too much risk. Um, and what I have learned is that great things can happen at a personal level and a a larger level when you take risk. And um, it has been the very hardest thing. And I've run 50-mile races. Oh, I didn't know you were an ultra runner. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's more to chat about. (laughs) Yes, good to know. Um, And I do it all again. Mm -hmm. Because when we see people show up, whether it's like a group that came, you came with or the you know, corporate executives, when you see that moment, I think that's it. That's the gift. That's the fuel. That's like, oh, we will find a way to keep this going because of how the, the power of the transformation and possibility that it creates. Yeah, yeah, it creates. It reawakens Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have another person in the room today. We have Carrie. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, Carrie Manson. Um, I am currently the director of integrated career advising at Guilford College, which is a lifelong relationship I've had with Guilford College. It's a new role for me. Um, I'm also. Um, have reawakened to horses and riding in my life and the power of sort of embodied experiences. So I have a family therapy and systems background. Um, And then that was one chapter. And then I did um, a lot of community engagement around alumni for another chapter. And now I'm um, working with a team who are advising traditional age college students to find their purpose and and be reflective so that they can design their life and their their work, meaningful work. 
and it's sort of a really beautiful coming together of things for me but I really have um, been super interested in getting out of the head and getting the integration of who we are in relation to animals mm -hmm. each other water um, we were on a on a journey together in Costa Rica where we did um, some surfing and embodiment and water and play and and it's very similar you know so um, I'm really a student and a curious and excited to be a part of this conversation. And you are my co-host today Thank for all of those for... reasons because you're <laughs> lovely. I'm so happy to be here. And because you you're you're calling to leadership right now. We were talking on the car on the ride on the way over about it's a soul calling for you mm -hmm. that yeah. you've maybe even ignored for a little yeah, while. I really love what you said about coming out as a leader. Right. That's what, that's what it feels like. And it really, you, you captured it. Thank you for that. Sure, I'll sure. Gonna I'm going to put it on a t-shirt. Yeah, I love it. I think you make a great t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? So, Beth and June, can you tell us a little bit about how, how did Teaching Horse come about? Do you want me to start? Of course I do. <laughs> uh, so, you know, as I mentioned, I've been doing leadership development for a long time. And much of my life was spent inside large organizations that were on the path of change and transformation in some way, shape, or form. And I hit a point in my career where I realized that most of what I was teaching people about leadership was now no longer true or useful. Um, the world had changed and our beliefs about leadership had not. And um, I was watching a lot of the people that I cared about deeply end their career as leaders um, because the cost was too high. And they were making trade-offs between their family and their life as leaders. Um, to the point where eventually they just chose family. And I was watching people with the character to lead start to say no to the job. And, and I always start with saying I was watching that happen to other people and then it happened to me. And... Um, you know, these cliches of it's lonely at the top, there's no rest for the weary, only the strong survive, never let them see you sweat. They're not just cliches, they were the reality. And um, it just hit me one day, it's like, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. And we need a different way of thinking about leading that makes the life of the leader sustainable and actually creates healthy, sustainable communities. And I can tell you, it's gonna be rare that you'll be able to discuss an idea that's been written about leadership with me and me not know about it. Mm -hmm. And I knew for sure that what I was searching for was not on any shelf. Um, now, I wish I could tell you that the rest of the journey was planful. It, it wasn't, mm -hmm. okay? 
But I did make one very good decision, which was to get back to my roots. And I had grown up with horses, and I remembered how much of my character was formed through my relationship with horses. Um, So I quit my job and bought a horse that I didn't have the skills to ride. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And you broke your wrist, right? Yo, I broke many things. That's just the only one I've ever told in public. Um, Yes, and and it all... You didn't refer to that. You didn't go into detail. (laughs) Yeah. No, I have um, an interesting combination of broken body parts, uh, some of which I will share with you, some of which I, you know, it's just not good for anybody to hear that, especially on a podcast. Uh, (laughs) But the reason is because I assumed that I knew how to ride. And what I really knew how to do was follow my mother around on the horse that was in front of me. And I hadn't ridden a horse in 20 years when I um, found Yanni. And I had this neighbor, and she had a horse trailer in her yard, and it was uh, barely able to still be called a horse trailer. But I went and knocked on her door, and I said, you got a horse that goes with that? Because we were in a neighborhood. I mean, it wasn't a ranch. Right. She said, yeah, it's about two or three miles from here, and you go here and here and here, and you turn here, and... We were new to the area, so I really didn't know what she talked about. And anybody that knows me will tell you, I couldn't find my way out of a paper bag. Mm-hmm. I am directionally challenged. But somehow or another, I made myself figure out what she said. And I drove to that ranch the very next day, and I saw Yanni for the first time. And I said, her. Mm-hmm. And wrote a check. And I said, okay, this is great. And the first thing she taught me was that just because I signed the check did not mean I was in charge at all. Yeah. And she proceeded to, through many, I mean, painful and difficult experiences, teach me that uh, I had to earn the right to be her leader. Mm. And I had to redefine what leading meant. And so, no, I had no idea that I had found my teacher and she had four legs. But what I was proud of myself for was um, she helped me remember not only um, who I was as a person in terms of once I choose a relationship, I choose for life. And um, when I choose... To start learning, I don't expect it to be easy. And so every time she would teach me something that I didn't expect, it was, oh, okay, wait a second. How did I contribute to the problem here? And um, what am I supposed to be learning here that I didn't anticipate? Um, and it just became a way to deepen our relationship and our experience. Now, um, I am a consultant by training. And people always say to me, how did you come up with that product? Or how did you come up with that service? And 
nine out of the ten things that I create come because someone told me they had a problem that needed to be solved. And I built something to help them solve it. And I remember um, this was a nurse leader and she said, I want to help my people think differently about leading. Can you do that? And I went, absolutely. <laughs> and I was literally driving from Oregon to Portland for a meeting when she called me. I was driving from uh, Medford, Oregon to Portland. And she says, you know, I need something simple. I need something coherent. I need something that people can grab onto. So on the drive from uh, Medford to Portland, I thought deeply about everything the horses had been teaching me. And that's how the diamond model was born, was I just started making connections between everything that I had had to learn from Yanni, which was, um, use your attention to make decisions. Be willing to set clear direction. Be willing to course correct based on information that I, the horse, give you. Um, be willing to set a pace that reflects reality and use your energy to strengthen the relationship between us. Be willing to be honest with yourself about what you know and what you don't and what you need me for. And as I started uncovering these truths, it became clear to me, as like, oh man, I've learned a lot. And I'm ready to start talking about it and start sharing it. And, and that's how it happened. So, um, you know, I can talk about this for days, so I'm going to stop now. And, <laughs> uh, and Beth, how did you get here? <laughs> well, uh, when June wrote that check... Um, I was doing, um, I was doing the AIDS ride from San Francisco to LA. So it's six days, 575 miles. So you're also a cyclist. Woo. And I'm in a tent after, uh, doing my first century ever. Mm. And, uh, she calls me and I said, Hey, what's up? She said, I bought a horse. I'm like, okay. <laughs> And here in lies the, the whole Christopher Robin <laughs> beginning. Because one of the things that I love, that I understand now, that I didn't then, is that uh, th that all those parts of me that show up for teaching horse, all the, the piglet and the tigger and the eeyore, <laughs> um, gave me the opportunity to say, oh, there's more than one way to lead. And when I looked at the herd of horses that came into our lives, and I'm like, well, they're all different, mm -hmm. and they all lead. Mm -hmm. And it gave a bigger place for me to step into my own identity as an individual. Um, and... And to see other people, it's like, cool. Uh, 
You know, um, you, you remind me because uh, we lived in, I found Yanni in California. Mm -hmm. And then we develop a relationship with this horse. And, and, you know, this is the part of the story that Beth rarely tells people, which is as soon as she got back from the AIDS ride, the first thing I did oh, yeah. was to yeah. tell her, I want you to come yeah. meet Yanni. Mm -hmm. And there were 30 or 40 horses at this particular barn. And we started walking around, and I was trying to find her. And Beth said, Who's that? Uh huh. I looked at Yanni, and I'm like, "Who is that one? Who is that? That wow. yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was like, "That's her." <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh. And when when you realize that a being is changing your life with every breath you spend with her, living ten minutes from her is too far. Yeah. Um, and so. Beth graciously agreed to go on the next adventure, which was to move from California to Oregon because we wanted horse property. And you know, in California, that's not happening unless you're crazy wealthy, and mm -hmm. we were not. Um, but in Southern Oregon, the property prices were reasonable. So uh, I was beginning to work with a consulting firm and they were located in Ashland, Oregon. Mm. And so I drove to Ashland for a meeting and came back with 45 acres. Yeah. Wow. She calls me. She said, I think we should move to Ashland. I'm like, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Great <and> so <laughs> okay. We find this place, and it's 45 acres. We owned the back half of our property was a mountain. Mm. So we owned a mountain. Oh, my gosh. And we had 22 acres of level, irrigated pasture mm. and one horse. Wow. Right. Okay, that won't do. So within a few days, literally, I mean, it was less than seven, a few days of getting to Oregon, we bought Yanni two horses. So she would have a herd. And that's how we got Rocky and Harley. And the reason I bring this up now is because while Yanni had been teaching me so much about how to lead her, she was still a reluctant leader. Mm -hmm. Because she went from mm -hmm. being one horse to being a lead mare right. in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. And she was like, mm, don't know how I feel about that. But then she was faced with some choices. It's, you know, it's either lead or don't. Right. And, um, and she chose. And I got to watch her make that transition from reluctant leader to choosing to be a leader. And that was an incredibly enlightening journey. Um, and then, you know, of course, the journey just keeps moving from there and we start talking to people about the work that we're doing and we start building the business and we start spreading the word. And um, as soon as people realize that you now have this life with horses, what they want to do is give you more horses. Mm -hmm. Okay? okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. It happens. I mean, mm -hmm. any horse person that's listening to this broadcast right now is cackling. Right. Because they know it's true. Mm -hmm. And so when I... Um, uh, this sort of brings my sister into the equation. 
but my sister was uh, is a minister and wanted to do a workshop for some of the people in the communities that she served and she started introducing me to people in North Carolina because we were living in Oregon. Now I'm from North Carolina. But we came across this woman and she said, I want to do a workshop in North Carolina. And would you come and, and do this at my facility? And I'm like, sure. That was the first time we agreed to work with horses we'd never met. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were choosing leadership at that moment too. No, I just said yes to something. <laughs> She was saying it yes was, to her sisters. Yeah, I was saying yes to her sisters. Is what I did. Okay. Um, and let's—I mean, you have to be clear. A lot of these choices you make are instinct. They're not with a ton of conscious awareness. Right. You just said yes. I was like, okay. So we go to this barn, and she says, "Now I have like six or eight that you can work with for this particular session, and I have one that I want you to meet." Because I think he's going to be extraordinary at this work. And he's a warm blood. And I'm like, okay. I didn't know what that meant. Whatever. I didn't know he was seven feet tall and eight feet long and weighed 1,600 pounds. And uh, the first time I met him, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and he was the most gentle, mm -hmm. giving soul I've ever met. Got it. Galen, Galen, yes, mm -hmm. and he made such an impression on all the people that were a part of this workshop that she gave him to us, and she shipped him from North Carolina to Oregon, and then flew with him, met him there to make sure he was mm -hmm. appropriately housed and integrated into the herd, and that took us to another level of the journey. And at the same time we got Galen, this is all in like one month this happened. We got Galen. All of this happened in one month. Yeah, we got Galen. And then we were attending a conference where we were exposed to an organization called Return to Freedom. And for everybody listening, please go to returntofreedom.org because uh, Netta DeMeo is the uh, founder. founder and is all about wild horse preservation yeah. and conservation. And so uh, we were listening to her tell the story of the work that she does to protect the heritage and, and health of wild horses in the United States. Yeah. And Beth and I are thinking, we should be doing more. And we, I'm going to suppose Wait, let me no, just pause. No, let me tell. No, let me tell. No, let me tell. No, 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 no. the back of the room says, no. We'll yeah. take some. No, I did not say that. Yeah, you did. So, we're at this conference. I'm running the, the AV system for this thing. And we're, I'm watching this, right? And tears are streaming down my face. I'm like, huh, huh, snot crying, right? And, but I'm going to pause right there. So, I love horses. And this is going to, I want to, because it ties to later. I do not ever want to ride a horse. Mm -hmm. I grew up taking care of Arabians. Yeah. If I'm going to ride something. I'm going to ride a motorcycle. I'm going to get on a surfboard. I'm going to get on a bike. But I had this story that to be a part of this community, the equine community, I had to ride. Mm -hmm. And Netta was up there giving this presentation about the wild horses and their plight. 
I'm sob crying, and the slide goes up. It's like you don't have to ride to have a relation. to have a relational horse. Yeah. And so, <laughs> in in Netta Beth fashion, we're running behind schedule. We end June, and the uh, people that were putting on the organiz- uh, conference were at the back room, and I'm like, I have a question. Uh, yeah, much. Yeah. And June's like, oh crap. What is she going to say? <laughs> And I said, hypothetically, we have 45 acres. What will we need to do if we wanted to help with the wild horse situation? And the, uh, our friend in the back of the room was cackling because she's like, oh, she's looking at June. She's like, you just got a bunch of horses. <laughs> and then that's where I left it. And I was like, well, if you're serious, meet me at the back of the room. We'll talk. Well, you know. This is how it goes in our relationship for 28 years now. I'm like, oh, I have this idea. And she's like, let's do it. And I'm like, okay. Um, and next thing you know, three months later. We had three American wild horses. We had three American wild horses, Hope, Lucky, and Dream, a brother yeah. and two mm-hmm. sisters. And that began our relationship with Return to Freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we immersed ourselves in wild horse mm-hmm. culture. And begin to learn how wild horses lead their herds. And that added another layer of understanding to the diamond model, which is their social structure Mm -hmm. and how they organize to create healthy communities, which was why we had gone on this adventure to begin with. And I think the reason I tell this part of the story is because we've learned two primary things. Number one, how does... How do horses organize to create healthy communities? And two, how do they share leadership to make it sustainable? And then what capabilities do the horses have to embody to be chosen as one of the herd leaders? And that really, those are the three cornerstones of our business and what we spend our time sharing with the world. Um, but fundamentally what we believe is that if you want to learn what horses have to teach you about leadership, go to the source. Mm-hmm. Because when you spend time with horses, they will reflect to you who you are and how you lead. And it takes them a few seconds to do it. And then you're left with choices mm-hmm. about how you want to respond and who you want to become as a leader when you're with them. One of the powerful things about our my experience with your herd started right from the beginning. And I mean you told us when we got out of the car that it starts now. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. from, from this moment. And I didn't quite I mean I felt I felt it. I could feel that energy, but you know, we were sitting down and you had us all sharing our intentions of what we wanted to get out of our experience that day. And the horses had been way out by the road. Mm. And after we all, in a safe, caring way, had shared with one another why we were there. And we were a group of facilitators ourselves and coaches. Mm-hmm. And so we're maybe a little bit of a unique group that just <laughs> kind of was like, here's our vulnerable self right. Um, right on the table from the beginning. And your herd had come, you said to us, okay, your learning starts now. I would like you to turn around and, and take a look 
at the herd and what do you see? And they had moved from the road more than halfway up the pasture, mm. all facing us in a line. And that just, I mean, the goosebumps that I had when I realized that they felt and could see our energy. And I knew from that moment that I really needed to pay attention to what was happening mm. in, in a deeper way. And, um, the essence, the message there from horses is congruence is compelling. Mm-hmm. When you're honest with us mm-hmm. about who you are and your intention, we will choose to be with you. Mm-hmm. And by the way, people feel the same way. Mm-hmm. It's twofold. It's when you're honest with us, the horses, and when you're honest with yourself. Yes. Right? And that's where the story starts to shift. And that's one of the things that's, that I love from who I am as an individual is that we are, we're in this constant story. We are living a story. And so when you ask, well, how did you come to it? Like, we're coming to it every day, right? And I can remember uh, reading Greek mythology. I'm like, oh, isn't this stuff cool? And I'm like, and then watching the journey. I'm like, oh, you went through this, this snake lady head and this. And it's like... And you make it back safe, right? Mm-hmm. You're having a party. You're like, I wouldn't go back out. I'm like, no, 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 stay. Stay here. And then it's like, oh, let's go back out. It's that, that constant. We are living a story. We're coming to it every day. What, what is a greater grift than to be conscious of the story that you're living in the moment? And they continually remind us. Well, and something I want to offer all the entrepreneurs listening is the stories we love are the ones we don't know the ending. <laughs> but we want certainty, right? There's, there's the, you know, there's the a different experience in watching a movie that you've seen and watching a movie that you haven't mm-hmm. seen. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and be okay with not knowing what's going to happen next makes life a lot more interesting. And that experience for me personally with your horses was special. I mean, I had just a month and a half prior lost my father mm-hmm. and I'm in the process of going through bankruptcy as an entrepreneur right now. And, and I think I told you my intention that day was that I'm in a season of surrender in my mm-hmm. life. And so I brought to the table, you know, in the Valley of the Hero's Journey, <laughs> Hopefully I'm a Shiro, right? You know, <laughs> I'd like to get on the other side of that valley. But you, June, you also said that for horses, um, it's not touch that equals connection. It's intentional presence. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And I know that even for myself, I have to be intentionally present right now. Mm-hmm. I have to show up. And, and forgive me, I'm going to tear up a little bit. It's okay. But... Mm-hmm. It's been that reminder for me that just showing up for myself is enough. Yeah. Yes. So That's... I'm going to offer you an, another way to think about surrender. And my, my mother taught me this. You don't surrender to things you don't want. You surrender to things you do want. Yes. Oh, and I read that in your book and I was like, since, and I was like, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because I had been thinking about it before that, that I was, I needed to surrender to these things that I didn't want. And then when I read that in your book, 
I was like, holy mackerel, that's, wow, well, what do I want then? Right. Mm-hmm. And what Thank are you letting go of? Yes. The only way for you to receive something is to have an open hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Carrie, uh, what do you have an open hand to right now? Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm thinking a lot about story in a different way. Okay. And then, so I'm, and a question I have for us and for you is, you know, there's, what about the stories, how does story impact us when we're telling a story? that's just a story. It's not really us. You know, we have these stories about who we are. Yeah. And I'm connecting that a little bit to my curiosity around how you both um, had an open hand and you were saying yes without much of a plan, maybe. You know, I'm... I no know, plan. I, so I'm trying to sort of make some connections in my head for a question about, um, you know as you reflect back on that, what was, what was happening? Like, how were you letting go of some stories about yourself to be open to some new story, like to really who you were, not the story of who you are, but really who you were. And how did you sort of unclench your hands from some of that old stuff to be able to receive all this? Like you, you had that open hand and stuff started to come at you. I mean, you were, it was mutual, but right, that there was something going on. And I'm just thinking, I'm very, you know, I think we all get really attached to stories of ourselves Mm. that aren't really real. They're made up. Right. We've created those. And I also see that in our, in in a team environment sometimes. You can tell a story about what's going on in this way or that way. Yes. And it really has power. Well, um, so the power of story is undeniable, um, and what and that's why, you know, if if you if I go all the way back to when I was a, a kid, um, my father was a CEO, so I grew up negotiating with CEOs, um, and my mother was this deeply spiritual animal whisperer. And I'm, part of my story is I'm actually a 50-50 combination of those two people. Mm -hmm. And what I will tell you is that different parts of my life are are honoring different parts of my story. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I was in school, when I was in high school, I took my first psychology class. And I was like, now that's interesting to me. I want to understand how people think. And that helped me develop a better, even better relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I was always curious about his ability to start something and build it and then mm-hmm. make it something that contributed to the betterment of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always knew that I wanted to be in business. And so when I look at those years of my life where I was uh, either climbing the corporate ladder or living inside large organizations, I, I can't tell you that wasn't me. It was. It was just the part of the story that was true for me right then. Mm-hmm. And the more I real, I mean, and, and I will, I've said this to students 
for my whole career. Whenever you're learning something, you will find the limitations to it. Mm -hmm. you, you will find the limits to whatever a methodology or a tool or a, a way of thinking can explain for you. And what I discovered at that point in my life where I began to think about teaching horse was I lost my soul. And I needed to find it. And the place I started was not necessarily new. It was actually an honoring of the past. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it led to something new. And it was still an honest part of my story. Uh, but what, what I have trusted my whole life is that you find the path by walking. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so the longer my life path continued, the more I began to uncover my actual unique path. But it doesn't mean all those other parts of my story aren't true or mine. In fact, they are. Um, and so I, I also know that there have been many moments in my life where I figured out I had a definition of success mm -hmm. that needed to evolve. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and so there have been many times where I did challenge my own story and say... I wish, I wish you could have seen the reaction when I traded in a black BMW for a Ford F-250. <laughs> I wish you could have seen the people in my life go, what the hell is happening? And when I traded in my, I know people are, this is going to be hard for people to believe, but when I traded in my pumps for my boots, you know, <laughs> right? And you know, okay. But the pumps were real. And, and I know most They people, were a thing, right? Like it was a symbol of power to some extent within that corporate that world. That was the uniform. That was our yeah. uniform that yes. we were raised. Yes. Like this is what you wear when you go to work. When you're a successful corporate individual, right. this is what you're wearing. This is a story of what a leader rock, looks like. I could rock a suit. I cannot imagine it happening any more. But it fit me then. Yeah. Yeah. And then it didn't. Yeah. yeah. And she's laughing at the truck because I was on the car right over here. I was like, my dream car is a truck. And I pointed to a truck we passed. I was like, pull over. I'm like, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. I like that. That's, the, that's a good thing. You should drive that truck. It, it makes you, when I get in her well, truck. Well, now all props because now I don't own a Ford. I own a Chevrolet. Silverado people need to know that. But I love <laughs> I love my truck, wow. and, and it's not because of what it represents materially. It's because it's part of my new story. It's congruency. It's congruent. Right. That right. always feels good, even with shoes. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I put on those shoes, those boots, I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the problem is, is when... Our story stops, our story or our identity, which I think is intertwined, stops becoming fluid. Exactly. Yeah. And when we, yeah. and when we are operating in an unconscious state of old story, you feel it. Mm -hmm. But to, and that's why I see a lot of what's happening in the world right now is this 
pull yeah. between somewhere they somewhere people know where's an old story we're operating in. And then underneath that, they know, it's like, oh, but who am I if I don't have this story? Even I know this story does not serve me or, or the greater whole anymore to bump up. And um, the courage, because it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Evolution of this planet, of this species, it's going to keep going whether you choose to cho- change your story or not. To allow it to be fluid, to allow yourself to be fluid, and if, to evolve. Um, when your definition of success is static, yes, it will become painful. This ties in a little bit to the diamond leadership model yeah. and something that you talked about with the horses for us. You you said that you've got your lead mare mm-hmm. and the sentinels and. Who, what does the the, and what does he do? I forget. He lead did. from behind. Yes. So, and, but you talked about that all of the horses could do those. So it's fluid in what it you're talking fluid. about. Yes. It's fluid that, yes, they do those things, but if the, it needs to switch, it can because, you, June, what you said, you said that they they don't, uh, they operate in the present, right? Right. In horses real time. Horses make decisions based on reality, yes. not rules. Mm-hmm. Or perceived reality. Yeah. And so they literally watch what's happening and then make a decision based on what's happening, not a set of prescriptive rules about what they should do. And they always find where they're needed. They don't operate based on where they think they should be. They go to where they're needed. Period. And it's not, the decisions aren't ego-based or fear-based. They're like, here's, it's information. Here's the situation. We need to go here. Um, And in addition to the fluidity of the rules, it's it's not gender-specific. Right? Right. So we have a story of, oh, to do this, this is the best thing. Typically, in a herd of horses, this is how it could shake out. There'd be a lead mirror up front, a lead stallion in that, and sentinels, male or female, on either side. And, and as you know, June shared, that's not always necessarily how nature works, right? There could be a bachelor band of horses that are not matured yet. And so they take those roles. Someone's going to lead from the front. Someone's going to lead from behind. So you broaden the possibility for everyone yes. in the herd. Um, and that every member knows what it feels like to get out front and take that first step. And so they have more compassion and respect for knowing what it feels like or to help guide or to create that big vision yes. and say, oh, hey, up ahead yeah. or protect. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit about expectations around leadership and story? Because I think sometimes, um, I guess I'm thinking about being um, being stuck in expectations that you think other people have. And I think for women, that's oh, yeah. particularly large sometimes. Um, so in the leadership, in the leadership way, you know, horses are dealing with their reality. They're not worried about 
well, I wonder what that horse is going to think about. <laughs> like, how do I meet that horse's need? I'm meeting the, the need of the community, right? Um, so, I don't know. What, what comes up for you both around expectations and your own leadership so style? I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. Because part of what you said, I see differently. Okay. Um, so I'm going to tell you a little story about Dream and Galen. Uh, Dream was our, the lead mayor of our uh, herd from Return to Freedom. And Galen is a domestic warm blood who actually knew nothing about being a horse. Um, do you understand what I'm saying? Can say that? a little more about yeah. that. Yeah. Can, I, can I give a story about that based on my experience? Well, yes. Okay, so Galen's like the lover, right? Right. Yes. And um, Lynn <laughs> was really infatuated with how big this horse was. Right. And she wanted to call him to her. And so she was imagining this energy of skyscrapers and power. And next thing you know, Yanni's running up to Lynn. <laughs> And the person we were working with said, what were you just doing? And Lynn explains what she was just doing. And, and the woman working with us said, and I forget her name, but Morgan. Morgan, she was fantastic. And Morgan said, well, Galen's more of a lover and he's goofy and he just wants to be loved on. And you've got to meet him with that energy. And as soon as Lynn changed her energy, he came right over to her. And, of course, when she was trying to be an energetic force, who came? Yanni. Yanni, right. the lead. She's like, yeah, bring it, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a powerful thing, oh, right, too. My, yes. Yeah. And the underlying thing is, is it, the shift energetically is also the shift of story that she was telling about Galen and what she needed. Yeah. So it goes yeah. back to that expectation exactly. that we put mm-hmm. on to, so there's yeah. a cultural ex- expectation you know, those stories you hear, right? right? And then there's the expectations we take on and then we put on ourselves. Right. So, especially with women leaders, because I think that at least when June and I were coming up, um, we, were, we were taught, it's like, okay, this is how you be in the world. Mm-hmm. You take on this role mm-hmm. to be a leader. And, well, that just didn't, didn't work for me. And I, I couldn't ever fit into that mm-hmm. expectation, but I kept putting that expectation yes. on myself. So I was telling myself, well, yeah. I can't lead then. I not, must not be right. leader material. And right. I think that you, women separate themselves. Either this is how we have to lead, right? Mm-hmm. Or I'm not, I can't be a leader because I don't know how I can't be this. That's such a patriarchal... Uh, cultural idea of the leader, even the word, right? And so, and it's not oh, gone away. No, it's not gone at all. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's let me, just let me finish. Just hold on a second. Okay. So, so to get back to your thing, the, the thing that I, I am living every day, and I encourage every individual, especially women, at any moment of their life, as a parent, as going from college into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you be you. My dear friend Karina, I went and took my own group without June to work with 30 high-tech people in California, a new space, 
and um, man, it was scary mm-hmm. to be out front. Mm-hmm. And it there were moments that felt clunky, and I had this expectation of, well, this is how it should look. Yes. Right. Yes. This is what yeah. it needs to look like. Yeah. And all the other stories I attached to it, right. if it did not look like this, this was going to be the consequences right. um, for our business, yeah. personally. And so we started, and the as I said, the first part felt a little clunky. When we got out to start working the horses, Karina came to me. She said, hey, shake it off. <laughs> and she's French Canadian with a Southern accent, so you just all probably bring that in. And she's like this big and about this big. Um, she said, "Miss Beth, shake it off. You be you." Nice. And so, anytime, I, you know, I just like I'm just trusting, and that's mm-hmm. that. Let go of that. It's just yeah. And something that you modeled for us the day that I came was you were letting Morgan literally take the reins mm-hmm. figuratively and physically yeah. um, take the reins. And so it was so beautiful to watch the two of you embody what you were teaching us with Morgan. Yeah. And she did a fantastic job. Yeah. So I, I want to come back to your question yeah. about expectations. So when, um, when the wild horses are together, they're always testing each other's ability to notice what's happening and the tests never end because that's what keeps them healthy Mm -hmm. because if they stop testing each other they'll become stagnant Um, and that's when they become vulnerable okay yeah Yeah. Uh, so but Galen had not learned that yet no he'd never lived in a herd so no other horse had ever tested whether or not he was staying aware of how the surroundings were changing or where his fellow horses were or where they were going. And Galen loves grass. And he was chowing down on a fresh part of the green pasture and dream lead mare for the wild herd walked up behind him and he didn't acknowledge her and and horse that means you're not paying attention Mm -hmm. because all he had to do was lift his head and say yeah i see you and that conversation would have been over because she would have known okay good you're noticing what's coming behind you you're ready to move if we need to yeah but that's not what he did right and he didn't even understand that that's what she was asking so she had to teach him and she did. She bit his butt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, you know, you can imagine him saying, What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then it was over, and then he turned around and looked at her, and she was like, Good, that's what I want. Thank you very much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And the next day, same thing. He's munching away on grass. She walks up behind him. He doesn't move. Yeah. Chomp. Take it. Okay. Yep. And finally, he gets to the point where any time she is coming, he flips around and looks at her like, what? I see you. Wow. And he learned uh-huh. that there was that an expectation sense. of him right. to be a part, to use his attention to make decisions, 
to respect that he always needs to know where the lead mare is in case she shifts directions. But he was unaware of the expectations being asked of him. Mm -hmm. And she had to help him learn what the expectations were. Yeah. I think, now, it, I think it's well, a hard expectation that I think... I, I yeah. want to finish this mm -hmm. because essentially the expectation is not a, a made-up one. It is how do we mm -hmm. keep each other safe? Yes. Mm -hmm. How do we help each other thrive? Um, and how do you play a role in creating the health, the harmony, and unity of the herd? And he didn't know any of that. Right. And so... What I also want to say is sometimes Galen had to have conversations with Dream about adjusting her expectations of him. Because, you know, there's a, there's a period of time where they're figuring out who each other are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Galen does not ever want to be a direction setter. He could care less about it. And yet, at the same time, his confidence and ability to contribute to the herd grows every day. Mm -hmm. um, so part of the role, when you are making a choice to lead, it is, okay, I need to learn what the people I'm leading need from me. But I also need to educate the people I'm leading on what works for me and what doesn't. Right. And how I'm going to define my role as a leader based on what my strengths and gifts are. And so my, my suggestion to you is understand that part of your role as a leader is redefining what you're willing to offer mm -hmm. and what you're not. Mm -hmm. That's the answer to your question many minutes ago about what the open hand is. I think that's right. what has, um, that's what I'm experiencing. When I do that, things are shifting in a big way right. just by doing what you just said. Right. You've got to look um, at it as a dynamic conversation. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is a long history of patriarchal, hierarchical notions of leadership. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, the only way they'll change is one conversation at a time. Yeah. One experience at a time of having a different way of thinking about leading that ends up being successful. Yeah. And I think that from a because I love words and story, it is how we step into a word like expectation. To me it's a very charged word. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um when listening to June share that story, it's like, oh no, it's about clarity. It's yes. about clarity about, it's not self-serving. I think that when I've encountered expectations in my life, I'm setting myself up. But in the herd, the expectation is here's what we need. Yeah. There is clarity of what we need. And there's also this conversation that happens of this is what I can bring today. Right. And to me, that shifts the whole dynamic around... If someone says that to me, I'm like, oh, okay. We just reframe my whole understanding about expectations. And, and the testing, too, because we hear the word test, mm -hmm. and because I'm not a good tester, mm -hmm. um, I'm like... And it just amps. Right. Yeah. So, yes. and what I know that's true is that the because of understanding 
what is needed in the horse, they're making sure that every herd member is the best they can be in those skills. It's not a test to see if you will fail or if you're better than the other. It's not about that GPA. It's this is what we need and we need to practice it. So to me, test is we're going to practice. To me, that says a whole different word. We're going to practice today. I'm going to help you practice being better at noticing or being more congruent. And so I think that in the human world, when we start to shift either the story or the story we have around words and really get underneath, oh, it's a practice. Yeah. And this practice makes us all agile. Yeah. yeah. And this, yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to be cognizant of time. Yes. Um, I promised about an hour. So I've got two questions for the two of you. And normally I ask the question, um, if you could go back and tell your high school self, graduating self, what would you what would you tell them? But, you know, listening to this conversation, I'm thinking, you know, the, the question I really want to know, you had us sum up our experience um, in six words, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think in maybe around six words um, the horses can teach us about leadership? Love your herd. Be a leader. Thank you. Beth, how about you? Um, The first word that popped up was kindness. Kindness, curiosity, play. Yeah. Um, I've got three more, right? You can. Okay, let's take this three more. I like three more words, Alex. Um, Discovery. Mm. Presence. And it will always be the bottom line for me. Without love, there really isn't really leadership. Yeah. And you know, I, um, I thought about your question. What would you tell your high school self? And I I think I have an answer that you might not expect. I would love to hear it. Oh, I would too. Nothing. Mm Oh, oh, yeah, don't do that. I've never heard anybody say that. (laughs) Yeah. I would tell her nothing. It would be so hard. I've got so much to tell you. (laughs) Push. Find your own way. Yeah. that to me is, and I, and what I, what I know for sure is that we know nothing yeah. about what young people's lives will look like right. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now. And how so cool is that? Exactly. Don't, yeah. go, don't give people answers to problems they don't have yet. Yeah. Let them figure it out. Yeah. And... So I lied. I have a couple more questions. So the okay. next question is, what do you what do you two want our listeners to know about right now? I'm going to share, of course, your website. Oh. But. You know, I, I listen to your questions really deliberately. And you say, what do I want them to know about? Nothing. 
there's a physicist, Richard Feynman, and he says that not knowing is so much more interesting than being attacked to an answer that might be wrong. Um, so, what are we excited about? You know, walk. Walk on your own path and um, just try to stay awake. Well, I want the listeners to know that you have two books that they should get and read. <laughs> and I want them to visit your website and support the work that the two of you are doing. So that, that's what I really want listener to do because it's it's powerful work no matter what the listener what story the listeners are telling themselves about whether or not they're a horse person there's some deep powerful lessons in this work and if you even have the idea that leadership is a part of your journey then I think your books are a must read thank you thank you very much Thank you. And how do the two of you live a life of abundance? Oh. You know, at the end of the day, if there's hay in the barn and peanut butter in the cabinet, we're good. <laughs> it's, and it's, I, 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 um, abundance for me is waking up in the morning and having a cup of coffee with my elderly cat in my lap and sitting on the front porch and watching my herd of horses live a life that a lot of horses don't ever get the opportunity to. Um, And to know that I am learning from them every day. And that's it. Mm -hmm. That's abundance. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, you know abundance is a moment to moment thing. Mm. Like nothing's constant, and I have to keep reminding myself that. And I, June and I were just talking the other day, and uh, negotiating. Uh, I was almost like, you know, uh, you know, this, this, and this is happening, and we work so hard, da 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 da. And why are we working so hard? And da da da. And then I walk outside to go feed the horses, and, and I go to head back to our red barn. And there's a mama deer and two babies. I'm like, okay, okay. Because there's so many things you can get caught up in what abundance is that you, you can miss what. And to me, it's like, well, yeah, okay. This right now isn't a, yeah. To be in conversation, to share this energy, these stories. Um, there's so much more I want to ask you. I know, oh, there's so will. much. Yeah, I feel like we could have a part two and three, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that would be the thing I would say about abundance. It's like, it's there. And keep looking for it. It's like magic, right? Yeah. It's, it's like magic. It is. it is magic. You're right. It is magic. That's it. It is. Well, thank you all so much for being for being willing to have this conversation today. And, and thank thank you. you for the work you're doing yes. in the world and for uh, inviting us to this conversation oh and being able to um, share with people some of the things yeah. that we've learned. Thank you. We would love to know what you thought of today's episode. Head over to the website and share your takeaways in the comments section of today's episode. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter to be sure and not miss special events and insights I only share via email. 
If you love the Yoke and Abundance Wise Women podcast, it would mean the world if you would go to iTunes and write us a review. It just takes a few minutes to help us tremendously. Thank you to our sponsor, Triad Local First, and my wonderful editor and producer, Ira Sterling at Julia Sound Recordings. Remember, every one of us has wisdom within. Keep sharing your words of wisdom because you never know who you'll inspire.